Welcome to the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. This podcast is about America's most visited national park, the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding towns. This area is filled with ancient natural beauty, a deep storied history and rich mountain cultures that we explore with weekly episodes. I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, man of the world, but also with deep roots in these mountains. My family has lived in the Great Smokies for over 200 years. My business is in travel, but my heart is in culture. Today, we're going to talk about some legendary mountain music. But first, a message from our sponsors, <laughs> which happens to be me. <laughs> Imagine a place evocative of motor courts of the past, yet modern and vibrant, with a chic Appalachian feel. A place for adventure and for relaxation. Imagine a place where you can fish in a mountain heritage trout stream, grill the catch on a fire, and eat accompanied by fine wine and craft beers. Imagine a place with old-time music and world cultural sounds. There is no other place like the Meadowlark Motel in Maggie Valley, North Carolina. Your Smoky Mountain Adventure starts with where you stay. Another spoke, sponsor is SmokiesAdventure.com. That's Smokies, plural, adventure, singular, dot com. The Smoky Mountains and surrounding area is a vacation destination for all seasons. Some of the nation's best hiking trails, waterfalls, outdoor adventures, and family entertainment can be found right here. Start your adventure by using SmokiesAdventure.com to explore all the wonderful features of the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. The trails, the waterfalls, the Cades Cove, and more. Then check out all the awesome family attractions and entertainment you and your entire family can enjoy in the area. The goal of Smokies Adventure is to become the leading information portal for adventures and experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains. Now some adventure coming up. At the Metal Arc, on March 26th, uh, Saturday at 4 p.m., renowned author Bob Plott, who's also the general manager of the Metal Arc Smoky uh, Mountains Heritage Center, will lead a seminar on the history of hunting in the Great Smoky Mountains based upon his book of the same name. Followed by a, This will be followed by a barbecue dinner and music with Mike Ogletree, the former drummer for Simple Minds, and some of his guests. Call 828-926-1717 for a very... Uh, very fun uh, and informative uh, 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 evening in the mountains in Maggie Valley. Now, what's better for the soul than throwing a line upstream, watching it pass, doing it again and again, and perhaps getting a bite? All anglers know that fly fishing isn't only about reeling in the big one. All that's that all, all that all that, that always gets the heart jumping. Fly fishing. Is about being one with the river and its magnificent presence while witnessing a valuable ecosystem. The Medlar Motel is offering a fly fishing camp on April, uh, a whole weekend on, on, on April 15th to the 17th of 2022, and hopefully every year thereafter, uh, in the Smoky Mountains. Our goal is to bring like-minded people together through fly fishing, fishing food, drinks, stories, and campfires. Um, we, um, well, our, our place in the mountains has a mountain heritage trout stream on it. Plus, we're in the middle of a lot of wonderful trout streams. So there's going to be a couple days of different kinds of events. For example, on Friday night, there's going to be a fishing tales of the smoky presenta video presentation. There will be beverages of your choice in the, the speakeasy 
There'll be a charcuterie board for small bites, including some trout delicacies like smoked trout. And then you'll get included. You'll have lodging at the Meadowlark Motel for two nights. And then Saturday will be a breakfast uh, and then a half day of hands-on instruction and several hours of intense fishing on uh, elite regional trout streams. Uh, and there's going to be additional how, um, tr- uh, fishing right on the property here, a tra- mountain heritage trout stream we have in the backyard. There'll be a barbecue dinner. There'll be live musical entertainment. There'll be campfires. There'll be a speakeasy. And there'll be lots of fun. Call 828-926-1717 to find out the details. But the whole weekend, including lodging and meals, is 875. So today, we have a wonderful guest. His name is Garrett Woodward. He's an award-winning journalist, author, events promoter, and musician now living in Waynesville, North Carolina. He's a native of upstate New York, uh, where he was also a college track star. He has been a weekly columnist for Smoky Mountain News since 2012, and he's also a columnist for Smoky Mountain Living Magazine, and he has a couple books out that are pretty important reading. So, hello, Garrett. How are you doing? What's going on, Joseph? Good to see you again. Oh, it's it's really good to see you. It's um, you know, it's been it's uh, your your was a pretty popular one uh, in the in the in the in the rankings when we get all those statistics. So uh, and I enjoy talking to you as well. So but the, I even know, have a good upstate New York beer I brought. Oh, uh, did you? <laughs> yeah, I got a nice uh, Lake Placid craft beer. I have I have a I have a Boojum King of the Mountain. Uh, whoops, you can't see it. It's a, well, it's in it's in a mug. I put it in a mug. Right? Uh, yeah, I was telling uh, Garrett earlier. I. Uh, I uh, I was supposed to fly into into Maggie on Saturday, but because of that sleet and windstorm, I got canceled, and I had to come in on a on a a.m. in the morning. It's like you know, like I, I had to get up at four o'clock or something like that. So I'm like I'm feeling the I'm feeling the uh, results of not having that sleep I usually get. So I said I'm gonna have a couple beers. Just <laughs> I said if I can't be if I can't be interactive and witty, I at least be tipsy. Uh, you know, we we spent all day putting out the newspaper, so I'm also in the same boat, needing a beer after that. <laughs> so you know, uh, last time we talked about you were born in upstate, and then uh, and then worked all over the country before moving to Western North Carolina and taking the job with Smoky Mountain News. And I recommend everybody go listen to that podcast because it was a really really great uh, podcast. But, and you know, you also talked about being uh, a freelancer for Rolling Stones. Are you still working for the Rolling Stones? Yeah, uh, I will be on the road for Rolling Stone uh, probably starting next month again. I'm actually working on an article for them right now. Um, I'm technically on assignment. So actually, now that I think about it, I, I on the road with them this weekend. Uh, I'm doing a story right now about the state of bluegrass music, um, about what's going on. There's a lot of big things going on with Billy Strings, obviously, selling out you know arenas as a four-piece bluegrass band so there's a big seismic shift in the high lonesome sound coming mainstream again and i'm heading down to florida thursday to go um do some more interviews in the field for rolling stone about the state of bluegrass music going down to the swanee spring reunion down there in live oak it's a beautiful place in the pan near the panhandle wow that's fabulous so that's uh so that's gonna be one article a series of articles or it's one big article. I've been working, chipping away at it on the side since January. I've interviewed about 20 musicians for it, all, all people from all over bluegrass and um, all over the music industry. 
uh, Billy Strings. Uh, if you're familiar a lot with bluegrass, uh, Del McCurry, Bobby Osborne, um, Sam Bush. Uh, uh, who else was in there? Oh, Dan Auerbach from the Black Keys because he's a big bluegrass guy. So I was chatting with him the other day about it. And um, Sierra Hull, Molly Tuttle, Rhonda Vincent, um, a whole slew of people. So I've been kind of slowly chipping away at it and trying to get it done for April. But I'm going to tie the bow on it by going down to that festival this weekend and getting the last of the interviews that I need. Cool. Well, that must be a real blast. It's a, I mean, it sounds like a job that's both a, a, a lot of work and also a lot of fun. <laughs> Organized chaos, but I love it. It's, it's, yeah. not, it's not, you know, it's a lot of work, but you get to hang out with musicians and uh, go see shows. So no complaints. Oh, that's fabulous. Well, you know, I, you know, doing this podcast and then running a hospitality business, I sort of get a taste of it. You know, I've been a big marketer and a technology guy for a long time, yeah. and I'm transitioning into this life, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, getting to talk to people and, you know, and having conversations and making it into some content, in this case, video content, but also then taking that and trying to apply it to you know, other things in life, like, uh, you know, like a hospitality and bringing, you know, some of that. The, the interesting people here to oh provide. i love it i mean i would talk yeah. to people even if i was if it wasn't my job i would still do this it's just uh, uh, I really, i've always even since i was a little kid i've always been fascinated with what people do with their lives um you know i was that little kid that was talking to adults i grew up in an older family so you know my parents uh were my dad was 43 when i was born and i'm the oldest and uh oh wow how old so is your I, youngest what <laughs> How old is the youngest in your family? Uh, two years behind me. Okay. Uh, but, um, yeah, so we were always just raised around adults uh, or older yeah. people. So I was always fascinated by asking people questions. Actually, one of my first jobs was working in hospitality. My uncle uh, at the time when I got out of high school was, uh, well, when I was senior year in high school, he had a motel on Lake Placid. So I worked front desk there every summer I was out of college. So I lived in the motel uh, all summer as front desk and maintenance guy and pool boy. So well, if you ever want to relive those uh, those years for a few weeks or, or a few months, just give us a call. <laughs> I really think working front desk really kind of honed my skills of how to talk to people because people oh, yeah. from all walks of life would roll into Lake Placid just like they do in Maggie Valley. And uh, uh, you need I, remember, I was I was renting I was renting rooms at thirteen years old. You know, I yeah. was. Oh yeah, it definitely teaches you how to have a conversation for sure. You can't yeah. be shy working front desk, especially if you're giving people advice on where to go and what to do. Yeah. So, uh, any other big projects or articles planned for this year? Um, well, you know, every week I'm writing stuff for the arts and entertainment section for the newspaper, and then um, bi-monthly with Smoky Mountain Living. But um, I will be back on the road for Merle Fest and Floyd Fest um merle fest being like the bluegrass bastion um that it is and then um uh floyd fest up in virginia big jam band americana festival and then hoping to get up to dell fest uh in may in uh the panhandle of uh, maryland but mm -hmm. uh, other than that i'm just kind of hitting the road a lot um got some big trips planned but i'm also uh working on chipping away at a book right now on raymond fairchild who's uh, you know, bluegrass passed away a couple of years ago. Uh, well, uh, let's see, October of 2019. So two and a half, about two and a half years. Um, 
Yeah, I want to get more. I want to get into that in a little bit because I, I, you know, I, I knew uh, Raymond Fairchild, so we'll talk about that. Yeah. I, I really want to dig so, into that. Yeah, yeah, there's always something. I mean, I'm writing articles all the time. Like it, it's oh, so yeah. second nature. I mean, I enjoy doing it. You know, I'm literally writing an article a day at this point. Um, at yeah, least well, as you do it, it gets easier, right? It's like podcasting. It, I, it was really painful for me at first, and then you know, once you start getting used to it and keep doing it and keep doing it, it just seems to get easier. Though the work is still there. Yeah, much, uh, uh, pain in it. <laughs> well, it's like uh, I don't know. It's it's weird. Is that I'm so used to the uh, productivity of it um, that now that things get offered, I can't really turn them down. I'm trying to learn to say no to projects, but it's hard because I, <laughs> I enjoy the work. It's um, hard to say no when people say, "Do you want to go over to this place and interview this person?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I do want to talk to that person." Um, so. It's organized cool. chaos. <laughs> well, cool. we got to take a break. Uh, I, I was a little bit along with it at the beginning of this segment, so we'll get more into what you're doing now, and then we'll t- start talking about your books. All right? All right. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Garrett Woodward. So, Garrett, when you were mentioning that you had an older father, it popped into my head. You know, I am actually 60 year old now and I have three year old twins. So I had I was 57 when I had my chin. Now I also have a 30 year old. But yeah, my dad turns 80 tomorrow. (laughs) So the. um the thing that I was going to tell you is I did research, right? And it turns out the research has found that the children of older fathers have a longer life. Well, not only that, not only that, they, knock on wood. Not only that, well, what I liked that, about it was uh, um, I I had I loved love having an older father because um, I was exposed to so many different things that I might not have with a younger father in terms of music and culture. You know, my dad was a child of the thirties and a teenager in the fifties. And so, you know, and my mom was a flower child in the sixties. So uh, (laughs) hanging out with my dad, he's telling me, you know, about being a kid during world war two and then telling me about growing up. Uh, My grandfather was a miner up in New York. He was an iron ore miner growing up in a row house. Wow. And, I mean, so, he managed to get married and have a kid at 43. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, they were Living married, for, they were married for 13 years. Wow. Before they had kids. Um, wow. Yeah, no, they, uh, yeah. so I'd be in the car with my dad and he'd be playing Hank Williams and Webb Pierce and Kitty Wells and Nat King Cole and Sarah Vaughn. And then I'd be with my mom. She's playing the Beatles, the Rolling Stones. So you got a you got a full life of uh, music growing up. That's oh, pretty, I mean, that's pretty great. Makes yeah. sense now, you know, makes yeah. sense now. But, but, well, you know, we're still, you know, the, you know, so you're, you're still a young guy, but we've established that you're going to live a long life. And, you know, also your children are going to live a long life because that sort of it turns out that it's passed down through generations, increased life. So uh, you live, you live in Waynesville in the Smoky Mountains. You think you're going to be here for that long life? Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I want to travel and I do travel quite often, but uh, this is the only place I want to be. Um, I I was very transient for many years in my twenties. I didn't really want to stay anywhere. I wanted to bounce around. Um, 
And then I came here. I was only going to stay one year and save money and try to get back out west. I used mm-hmm. to live out in uh, the Tetons, Jacksonville, Wyoming, eastern Idaho area. Still my favorite place in the world is is that region in terms of just the aesthetics. Um, but this is where I want to live. And uh, it's just funny that I thought it was going to be a year stint and it's coming on 10 years right now. So. Well, you've really established yourself. You got all those writing things, but you've also got a couple of companies, right? You have a musical promotions company and yeah. a company that promotes craft beers. Can you tell us about those? Well, um, the, there's a side project slash company that I'm running right now. Um, I'm the vice president of it, uh, co-partner, but with my uh, partner, Patrick Snyder, it's called Adamus Entertainment. What we're looking to do is trying to put more uh, quality live music west of Asheville. There's so much potential right now in terms of um, where where we live and what we do. Um, Asheville is such a bastion right now for live music. I mean, it's one of the best music cities in the country uh, Mm -hmm. by far. And we want to try to put, you know, large scale shows, larger scale shows uh, west of the city towards the Smokies. I mean, we're equidistant from the National Park as we are Asheville. So we've been thinking uh, about putting on medium medium to large scale shows. We did a few test run shows. We actually launched the company uh, two weeks before the shutdown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was like February 28th. Uh, 2020 was when we had our launch, but um, we did four or five tester shows last year just to see what the appetite was in the area, and we had some success with that. And now we're partnering up with some um, larger scale spaces in Haywood County to put on medium level shows in terms of like, you know, 500 to a thousand people, mm-hmm. and uh, with a full scale production side of things. We can do that in the festival grounds of Maggie Valley. Easy enough. Yeah, I I miss having the drive-in shows. I mean, I know that we've somewhat returned back to normalcy in terms of uh, indoor venues, but for for me personally, I really liked those drive-in shows. Oh yeah. I don't know if you got to to catch any of them last year, but it was really cool just to have like a BYOB hanging on your tailgate and watch a band. I mean, instead of being in some, even before the shutdown, I hated crowded venues is it couldn't move around yeah. it takes forever to get anywhere inside and um but yeah. i you know so our goal is to bring more um prolific acts west of the city towards yeah. the mountains well we're trying to get we're trying to be involved in that too i mean we can't do 500 or a thousand people but we we're going to do you know the 100 people to 200 people things i mean uh, you know yeah which is intimate, awesome which is you know intimate and we've done you know uh you know we've done some stuff with that darren nicholson who i know you just recently worked with on the folk recently the bluegrass boogie how did that go yeah well darren was actually the first friend i ever made in haywood county uh no joke uh i had uh moved here sight unseen i'd been to Asheville and the smokies before but um i'd never been to waynesville and i took the job it's a long story with that but short of it is i ended up driving with everything i owned in my truck from new york and uh i rolled into the newspaper on friday afternoon it was the balsam range paper town release party which darren is a member of and right um my publisher handed me a pad of paper a pen and a camera and said go to the balsam range release party at the colonial theater in canton i said who's balsam range where's canton you know and uh rolled in there and the front door was locked. The side door was locked. I had all my stuff in the back of my truck and I still hadn't moved into my apartment yet. And there I am. And I walk into the back door and I hear a mandolin on the stage. 
I walk in, there's Darren, and I uh, told him who I was. I was with the newspaper here to interview him. And we started talking, and I started interviewing him, and um, he goes, man, you don't have an accent on you. Where are you from? I said, New York. Goes, How long have you been in Haywood County? I said, about 45 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the truth. <laughs> I was there interviewing him. I, I literally yeah. been in town 45 minutes from wow. New York. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, like, oh, yeah, you, did, you also told me, told me you've done a lot of research. <laughs> and he, he's still one of my dear friends. Uh, yeah. This weekend, actually, is um, – uh, that the boogie went real well. We did that at the Folk Mood Center at the the Queen Auditorium there in Hazelwood neighborhood of uh, Waynesville. But this weekend uh, is it's Saturday is the Steve Sutton Memorial Concert at Folk Moot, uh, at the Queen Auditorium that Darren's hosting. His yeah. best friend was Steve Sutton, who was regarded as one of the best banjo players that ever played in bluegrass music. He was also a really good friend of mine. I knew Steve really well and. He sadly passed away unexpectedly uh, about five years ago now. Wow. wow. Yeah, 20, 2017. Um, yeah, he passed away unexpectedly, and uh, he was only 61. And so Darren's had this. This is the third annual Steve Sutton Memorial Concert. Um, the proceeds, half of the proceeds, well, a portion of the proceeds go to the International Bluegrass Music Association Scholarship Fund. And then another portion of the proceeds goes to uh, a student at Tuscola High School in Waynesville that's pursuing music as a career. Oh, so um, it's, really, it's really cool. So that's this Saturday at the Folk Moot Center. If you want to go uh, check it out, folkmoot.org. Well, you know, Darren, Darren likes to do those things. We had a band camp here last year where, you know, some, there was a one young young person there who's still doing things now with, the, you know, and he learned how to – Playing a band, he's still got yeah you know, them as he's still got Darren as a mentor, yeah, right. And yeah. Uh, Darren, and then you know, and, and and he's really excelling at it. So you know, Darren's really got a uh, you know a, a real charitable heart. You know, well, and that's all of Balsam Range. I mean, all of those guys would do anything for the community. They're all mm-hmm. um, some of the most generous folks I've ever met. Darren, you know, do we want to talk about ambassadors? of um hospitality and culture in Haywood County and West North Carolina. You don't look much further than Darren Nicholson and, and the guys in Balsam Range. I mean yeah. you know anytime anywhere if there's a cause they're always there to play music to raise money for something. I mean we had the I think since the last time we talked uh we had the big concert in Canton for the flood victims uh in Crusoe and Bethel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the final total was somewhere around forty thousand dollars we raised. Wow. Um, which is a drop in the bucket. But, you know, the, the plus side, though, was it was a free concert and we wanted just to get people's minds off of the devastation. I know it's been, you know, six, six or seven months since the floods. So it's kind of out of people's minds, sadly. But if you drive through Crusoe, it's Bethel, bad. Yeah. I mean, there's still cars and trees. There's still yeah. um, houses in the river. You know, there's still RVs in the river. Um it's like a ghost town in some aspects, but, uh, you know, I was there, I was there the, the morning after the floods, uh, on the ground reporting, putting my hard news hat on. And well, I happened to be, I had to be, I was here at the time and I was putting people up in some motel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was yeah. terrible. But what was so crazy was when we had that show, uh, it was, you know, a month and a half after the floods, but it was in Soros park in downtown Canton where, um during the floods the exact place the stage was during the floods there was you know eight feet of water oh my god 
<laughs> above the riverbank and and it was yeah. just crazy to to be there um and it was the same weekend that bear waters brewing reopened after they got flooded out so it was yeah. a really crazy joyous occasion you know we had a I, I would say, God, uh, two or 3,000 people showed up and it was a free show and we raised that much money and well, it was great. unbelievable. That's well, Haywood County for you. Well, you know, you, you really have you really have your pulse on the scene, you know, the music scene here in the Smoky Mountains. You know, uh, this show is for, you know, visitors that might be coming here. Where What would you um, say is, is, you know, places to go in the Smoky Mountains where they can really get uh, in touch with that authentic music? In terms of music? Yeah. Yeah, in terms yeah. of music? Um, I mean, there's not... What, what's interesting is there's not necessarily a specific place that is known as a music venue in Western North Carolina. Most of it is... Um, Breweries, restaurants, cafes, um, small venues that have regular music. And you can't really, especially with the breweries, that's really brought the live music scene uh, up a couple notches. You know, um, you got a Boojum in uh, Waynesville. You got Innovation in Silva, Lazy Hiker in Silva, and in um, Franklin. Nanahala Brewing in Silva, uh, Mountain Layers Brewing in Bryson City. And all those spots have live music every weekend. Um, if not multiple times a week in terms of bluegrass and Americana and roots, right? Um, which that's a good, you know, that's a good uh, kind of representation of where we're at. Um, ever since the Maggie Valley Opry house closed, that kind of lost a lot when Raymond passed away, but I've been told through the grapevine that it's going to reopen. Um, I don't know when, but, I have had people reach out and say that they were interested in kind of kickstarting it. Another one is Elevated Mountain Distilling, right in the heart of uh, Maggie Valley. Yeah. They have uh, weekly music. Dave Angel does such a great job bringing local bands in there. Um, that's always a fun spot. You get to drink some legal moonshine. <laughs> you get to drink some legal moonshine yeah. uh, and, and enjoy music right in the heart of Maggie Valley. And what's cool is uh, one of their main flagship products is Raymond Fairchild's root beer moonshine. It's actually his recipe. And um, it, it doesn't get more real in terms of Appalachian moonshine than Raymond Fairchild. Um, God rest his soul, man. What a good dude. No, 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 man. You know, I knew him very well. We'll, we're gonna, we'll, we'll be talking about him in just a couple of minutes. We have to take a break now. Uh, but I look forward to, you know, reminiscing and finally oh, yeah. do it. All right. This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast and my guest, Garrett Woodward. So, Garrett, uh, I've understand you, you've written two books. You mentioned them, right? Is that right? Well, uh, I wrote a novella years ago, but uh, I wrote a bluegrass book about five years ago called If You Can't Play, Get Off the Stage. Yeah, uh, yeah. Bluegrass in Western North Carolina and beyond. Um which was great. Um, I interviewed all these bluegrass legends in Western North Carolina and Southern Appalachia. Did did like a book tour on it. Um, it's still available in bookstores in Asheville and Haywood mm -hmm. County and other areas around the region. And we uh, and we did and we did talk about that one in our podcast before, and I think people should go back to that one because it was a really good, interesting conversation. 
But well, no, you, go ahead. Oh, I was, well, I was going to say is so like uh, I've been itching to kind of do a project, and um, you know, there the, the reason that this Raymond Fairchild book came about was um, there was an art grant that was uh, you know I work for the paper, so every week I get all these emails. And we turn them into press releases for things going on in the area art wise. And then I put them, I, you know, put them in our formula and then we put them in the paper. One of the emails was to apply for an art grant um, through the North Carolina Arts Council. And I, you know, every year I put it in the paper and people, you know, apply. And then this year I was like, you know, I'm heck, I'm going to, I'm going to apply. And I had an idea to do something about Raymond because I'd been talking with some friends in the music industry about how it boggled our minds that, that a lot of people didn't realize who he was and I don't want him to be forgotten. He was an incredible person and a uh, world-class musician right from our backyard here. So I just kind of put out a uh, proposal together. Um, I was sitting in a coffee shop, just going through emails and I just sat there and wrote out this long proposal and submitted it. Didn't think twice about it. Wow. I didn't think I was going to get it. And then, uh, this past January, a couple months ago, I got an email that I had received a grant from the North Carolina Arts Council to write this book, um, at least enough to get the project off and running. Um, well, so he's now the, he was a great guy. You know, he was an interesting uh, character. And, you know, you knew him personally, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. He told he gave me he told me I was the only journalist he ever liked. <laughs> you know, he didn't take to everybody. He no. He, he was, was very rough thinkers, around you know. I knew him growing up. You know, I almost I almost took music lessons from him, but uh, I, you know, I didn't know anything then. And I went on to do something else. My dad had arranged it, but uh, yeah, he was famous for not being. Uh, you know, some people were in and some people were out. <laughs> he was a very rough around the edges guy, but that comes from you know who he was. He he yeah. lived a very hard scrabble life. Um, he grew up. You know, he grew up dirt poor and became a world famous musician. And I mean, he uh, he always had a he always had a gun on him. He was well known for pulling a gun on promoters who didn't pay him what what they told him they're going to pay. Him. <laughs> um, I've heard a couple stories about him um, with his with his gun. One, um, I've been told it's verified. I've been told by multiple people this story, and, and of which I I think it actually happened was. He was trying to tune up his banjo backstage at at a at a at a show, and there was a bit stand up bass player that was going through his rhythm. And Raymond told him to quit playing the banjo so he could tune up, or quit playing the bass so he could tune up his banjo. And the guy blew him off, and Raymond pulled out his gun and shot it right through the the stand up bass. <laughs> um, I've heard that from multiple people, uh, but he was very rough around the edges. But that's what I liked about him; he was a real person. Um, he could smell BS a mile away, man. He was, oh. you couldn't pull your, you couldn't pull the wool over his eyes. Nah, he'd been around the block several times. And um, the first week I worked at the paper in August of 2012, they wanted to do a story on the Opry house and um, nobody wanted to jump on it. Cause everyone was kind of intimidated by Raymond. I had just started at the paper. I didn't know any better. So I said, yeah, I'll take the story. And uh, I went over there and you know, I was a 27 year old young journalist from upstate New York. And he, at the time he was this guy um, in his early seventies, uh, you know, half Cherokee blood, uh, moonshiner, mountain man, gun holster, 
banjo legend, um, just really real deal Appalachian mountain man. I mean, the quintessential legitimate Appalachian mountain man. And we could not be more different people, but at the same time, we also had a deep love for bluegrass and also nature and things like that. But, um, yeah, we inter- he he at first was reluctant to interview. He kept blowing me off. He didn't want to talk. And then I sat there and watched the show, and I really enjoyed it. And then uh, he saw that I you know, genuinely wanted to talk to him because I stayed for the show, you know. And right. we ended up doing a great interview. And um, he said, uh, he said, you're the only journalist I've met that's not full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> He goes, uh, if you can do that, if you can keep that, then you'll go far in life. And it was funny was, you know, we did, I did probably four, four or five cover stories on him in the newspaper over the um, seven or eight years we were friends before he passed away. And um, he would always, it was weird because like people were always like, I can't believe that like he lets you interview him because he he wouldn't yeah. talk to anybody. No, I swear to you, like he would not talk to journalists. He, he didn't did talk yet, but yeah, yeah. Oh, he didn't like he didn't like media. He didn't like newspapers. He didn't like anything. But he would call me up at the paper and say, "I got a story for you. Come over to the Opry House and we'll talk." And um, and it was great. Uh, right before he passed, he had turned eighty, and it was really cool. We got to, I got to do a, a final interview with. I didn't know he was going to pass, obviously, but like yeah. I wanted to celebrate him turning eighty, so we did a big interview. And um, it was fantastic just to sit with him. You know, he had been in good spirits. He had some health issues because he got in a serious accident um, a a couple years before that. He had flipped a tractor onto himself. He got seriously hurt in a tractor accident. And uh, he was back touring again. And we had a great time just sitting there reminiscing. And we did this whole story on him. And he he had passed away a couple months later. And I'm I'm just really glad that I had that time to spend with him Um, I I think about probably the most fun interview I ever did with him was when he got inducted into the bluegrass hall of fame Bill Monroe's bluegrass hall of fame up in Dean Blossom Indiana in 20 I think it was 2015 and I convinced my publisher to like let me go up there you know I was like you gotta let me go up there he's getting inducted into the bluegrass hall of fame so I convinced him to at least throw me some gas money I didn't care if I slept in my truck but um, I was like just throw me some gas money I got to go up there and it was wild just to be up there and see him surrounded by all these other bluegrass legends as they honored him to get inducted. Um, And it was the one time I think I ever, one time I think I ever saw him smile was when he got uh, that award. Uh, He always was, he was a, he was a very happy jovial person, but he also, he never showed it. Uh, Yeah. He he, uh, he won a Grammy, right? Didn't he win a Grammy? No, he was nominated. Uh, he's he, nominated. He, he's, he's he's got several gold and platinum records. He sold probably two or three million records. What was uh, he most famous for? What kind of music? What, what uh, Will Mule was his most famous. It's this instrumental where he makes his banjo sound like a mule. Yeah. Uh, he but uh, he uh, he many of his songs are considered standards in bluegrass now, especially Will Mule. That 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 was a two million record seller. Uh, back in the day and then he was on the grand old opry numerous times he was friends with johnny cash he was friends with jimmy martin bill monroe he had so many random friends i mean mm-hmm. bobby brown like i've seen photos with him with uh all these random people that, yeah. that you keep posting and i was just like i didn't realize he knew all these people merle haggard he was close with merle haggard and um but it, and, and it was just funny was um you think about you know 
like how this he literally grew up in nothing and uh, how it just became this worldwide sensation. You watch those videos, like look up Raymond Fairchild, Wool Mule of him at the Opry. My goodness, you know, fingers like lightning. I swear to you, uh, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was, I mean, I got to see him several times growing up. But, you know, my dad was a, you know, mayor and, you know, heavily involved in Maggie Valley, the Grand Ole Opry, you know, he knew. Yeah, so they were, they had a lot of, workings on and yeah uh, you know we got a few we got a few uh a few uh jars of raymond's moonshine over the years I've the old cough syrup did you ever get to taste any of his moonshine <laughs> i think i saw some wait hold on a second here wait <laughs> actually i think i still have some right here there you go all right <laughs> There you go. We got a redheaded with a penalty here. <laughs> oh, uh, it was really funny. Was uh, I forgot that it was still in there. Uh, yeah. What's great is you know the real stuff is um, crazily enough the the real deal like quality made moonshine actually goes down pretty smooth and uh, his stuff. I mean, whew, you can get in trouble with that, but. Uh, he always denied that he he uh, was still making it, but I highly doubt that he wasn't. Uh, he he was too good at what he did, um, but he was such a sweet man, um, which is weird because some people might not agree with me, but um, that's their loss because they didn't get to know him. Um, but he was just a he always had uh, just amazing stories to tell about you know, running moonshine in the middle of the night, hauling barrels through the woods over the mountain ridges. Oh, and those, uh, those stories are priceless, man. You know, my oh grandmother was involved, wild. involved, you know. <laughs> it's just wild when you think about it, you know, just yeah. one step ahead of the law. And, and uh, he yeah. and Popcorn Sutton were real close. And um, it's just wild when you think about that really wasn't that long ago, you know. Um, oh, maybe so one, or, one or two generations behind us that was i mean well to be honest with you even though there's a lot of legal moonshine i i know as a journalist around these parts there's definitely a lot of moonshiners that are oh there's still a lot of out there. I mean, it's only 100 years that you know you know everybody's got a, a relative a grandfather and then, and then there was the ones that kept on with it for and if they time. don't if they say they don't they're lying <laughs> exactly yeah so i mean it was important actually it was an important source of income in the mountains yeah. and, and appalachian culture for a long yeah. time yeah, it was a source of it was a source of problems. It was a source of, you know, crime, a source of alcoholism and sickness and things like that. But it was also incredibly important in bring, being a, an important uh, cash crop in the mountains. And it's so, NASCAR. <laughs> yeah. So, do you have a working title for the book? Uh, it's going to be called uh, "Lord, I'm Coming Home: The Legend." Lord, I'm Coming Home: The Legend and Lore of Raymond Fairchild. Uh, musician moonshiner mountain man some 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 to that effect well i want to keep we you know we have a bookstore here so i want to carry it when you get it out all right Evelyn. and and we'll, we'll and i want to host you for a book uh you know presentation signing because i think that'll be great you know here in Maggie i'd Valley. love to i really i really uh love what you and bob are doing out there it's it's so cool um i i have really high hopes especially with things opening up again about y'all having some great events out there you already have had some phenomenal events but i can't even imagine how much bigger it's going to get 
Yeah, you know, I, I say it's, we're on a three-year plan. The first year is just to get the name out. Second year, we start getting a little bit of audience. The third year, we'll start getting a decent audience. So, oh yeah, we're going to take a break now and come back to finish up with just some, uh, you know, odds and ends and shout-outs, <laughs> all right? <laughs> This is Joseph Franklin McElroy back with the Gateway to the Smokies podcast with my uh, guest Garrett Woodward. Garrett, I'm starting to feel I'm starting to feel the drinks now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you've made it all the way to end this listening to this podcast, you're now here I start being silly. I think, but yeah, uh, <laughs> well, it's that Bujum beer. It's good stuff. Uh, it's good stuff, man. I Why do you think I live two blocks from the brewery? <laughs> uh, and, you know, they have good food there, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, they have really great food there. So I, I like Boujum. Um, I like Bearwater and Maggie Valley, too, but oh, I yeah. love Boujum. Yeah. So, um, yeah, last time we talked, you were starting to learn the guitar. How's that going? Going great. I play every day. Uh, I am no uh, proficient musician by any means, but um, I guess I can consider myself a rhythm guitarist at this point. But um, I love it. I wish I had picked it up years ago. I, I picked it up during the shutdown. Um, you know, I live by myself and I figured what a, what a time to finally do what I've been wanting to do for years. So I started to learn how to do it. And I play, you know, every day. I mean, anytime I got free time, I look forward. To, I look forward to coming home and playing every day. And, Have you played on stage yet? um not as like an act but i have uh, jumped up to play with people um well you know we we have these weekly uh things especially the pavilion you should come by mike would be glad to ha have you oh, i'm, I'm definitely down oh yeah they he, you know they're they're you know they're for the guests and it's fun to have people just jam too you know so mike is the drummer from simple minds is that what you were saying yeah, he was a drummer from Simple Minds. He introduced sort of that the reggae beat to their sound. Yeah, how uh, how did he end up in Maggie Valley? Well, he's he a friend of mine. He was a friend of mine in New York City, and um, he, you know, he's exploring Scottish music, roots of Scottish music, where Scottish music has gone. You know, and the Appalachian has so much, you know, Scottish heritage. That you know, coming here and you know, he became basically he's called the artist in residence, right? Does he live here? Uh, he lives here, yeah. Oh man, yeah. I gotta meet this guy. It sounds pretty awesome. Oh yeah, he's awesome. Oh yeah, definitely. He's got and he's you know, he really started listening to what people wanted, and so he actually brings in a repertoire that sort of combines Scottish but also you know, southern roots music, after, yeah. you know, mountain music, but he brings his own sort of you know, he also has a West African heritage. His father was from uh, African American from Birmingham, so he brings sort of a that you know how he introduced reggae to you know yeah. simple minds. He brings a little bit of a beat to uh, bluegrass, which is you know is heresy in terms of yeah. bluegrass purity, but it's kind of cool. You know, you should hear him sing. That was pretty awesome. I want to I yeah. want to come and hang out and uh, hang oh. out in the background and play rhythm guitar. <laughs> All right, yeah, no, you're welcome to do that. So. Uh, so, um, yeah, so the, <laughs> I think that would be absolutely fantastic. You would love it. it. It's meant to be a place where actually, I mean, I'm, I'm promoting myself, but, it, you know, the music here is it's meant to be sort of a music, a musician's place, yeah. right? 
where, you know, where musicians come to you know, jam and talk about music and guests just get the benefit of having that experience, right? Yeah. Now, and, and that's, you know, that's what we're developing. Speakeasies also, right? It's like, you know, it's about the music and mus people that are either musicians or really well-versed in music get together and just create an interesting atmosphere. Many times we've just had where they pull up videos on the screen, you know, and everybody starts singing or listening or learn something new. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah, I'm down. I definitely want to, I'm, I'm proud of y'all too, because it looks like you got a heck of a year planned already, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Bob is doing well. And plus, you know, we have a uh, boy here who used to run a blues guitar up in Richmond blues bar in, in Richmond and he's bringing another aspect to it. And, you know, of course, Mike is his own total thing. Yeah. going on. Oh, so, yeah. oh yeah. We're, we're, we're kicking it. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I heard, you know, I heard, you know, interesting thing. I, I got little birds to tell me and the little bird's name is Bob. <laughs> and he tells me you're collecting vintage guitars. Uh, yeah, kind of. Um, I have, uh, I guess we think here. Well, I had like, I started buying guitars during the shutdown. Uh, it, it's, it happens. It happens. Anybody who plays guitar knows what I'm talking about. Once you buy, every guitar is a different vibe, a different feel. Um, but I ended up, uh, I have two vintage guitars right now, but I own five total, uh, four, wow. acoustic, four acoustic and an electric. But um, here, I'll actually show you one. The vintage one's All really right. cool. This is a, uh, it's a 1940, 1940s uh, Rotary Deluxe Cowboy Parlor guitar. What's cool, what's cool about it is these guitars, so check it on out. Oh, it's decorating, all right. <laughs> and, and that's the original stencils. Wow. Isn't it crazy? That is crazy. What, what I love is that he's lassoing the moon right here. You got to bring that and play it here. Come yeah. on. <laughs> so this is a, a 1940, we, we figure about a 42 or 43. Wow. Uh, but it's an old blues parlor guitar. But what's crazy about it is uh, most of those guitars weren't meant to last this long. You know, these were very inexpensive, kind of like Sears and Roebuck guitars that, you know, back then people didn't think about preserving wow. guitars you know you you played them and they broke and you got another one right. we're now like it's a whole thing about you know um wow. collector's items and stuff like that but i came across that um one night after a couple beers and i said oh man i gotta buy that thing <laughs> <laughs> yes right and, uh, oh my god but i love it because it, it, oh. it's really funny it, it it's a small parlor guitar but man it, it cranks like a cannon Wow. I mean, it's, it's extremely loud. Well, when you come over and hang out with us here, I'm going to tell you some stories about some things I bought while I've had a few drinks. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and some things I sold at the same time. But, uh, you know, it's been good. You know, I, I wanted to let you know that, you know, we're going to have a couple things you're going to be interested in here. We're going to have a songwriters camp with uh, Darren Nicholson and Jim Lauderdale. Oh, man, uh, Jim Lauderdale. Yeah. In August, so you got to wow. cover. You at least got to cover it if you can't do do anything else. Well, I told I told uh, Bob that I would definitely do that. I would definitely yeah. uh, cover it because Jim Lauderdale. I mean, Darren's a world class musician, but like Jim yeah. Lauderdale is a world class songwriter. Yeah, 
you know, he's he's one of my favorites. I mean, and, and Charles Humphrey the third will be in that too. Oh, then you got a Grammy Award winning. You yeah. know, remember, uh, you have a Grammy Award winning. Uh, Charles is a good friend of mine too. Uh, yeah. I actually just saw him recently. Um, well, he's doing but, the fishing camp here in April. Yeah. yeah. Oh wow. So I mean, if anyone's listening, that's pretty amazing that you have Darren, Jim, and Charles. And Charles is running the the fishing camp. Good, good lord, man. Oh yeah, because we're gonna have you know the fishing camps also gonna have tunes around the fire, and you know Charles and his friends are gonna do some fun stuff. I mean, you're talking. So, yeah. so you're welcome to you're welcome to come out. You're a two time podcaster. You're in the special club. All right, uh, all right. Um, so, what website, social media, you want to shout out? Let everybody know who you are. Um, SmokyMountainNews.com, S-M-O-K-Y, MountainNews.com, all of our articles, uh, whether it's arts, outdoors, uh, travel stuff that we do, it's all free to read. It's good to go. Uh, SmokyMountainNews.com. And then on Instagram, I'm Garrett K. Woodward, G-A-R-R-E-T, letter K, Woodward. Um, other than that, uh, go to the Metal Arc. I mean, do you re- I hope your listeners realize how cool that is that you have Jim Lauderdale, Charles and Darren there. Um, that's a pretty big deal. You got Grammy award winners and IBMA legends um, hanging out in a very intimate setting. So well, I, that's the point. It's a, it's a musician's musician's place as well as other particular, you know, you know, things, you know, we got the bot, we got plot dogs. So, so anyway, um, and Bob, Bob is a walking encyclopedia. I know he's a walking encyclopedia. Well, I want to thank you for coming. This is the Gateway to the Smokies podcast. You can find out more about us on facebook.com slash Gateway to the Smokies podcast. We're also on the talkradio.nyc network, um, which has a lot of podcasts that are really interesting, ranging from help for small business to self-help to travel to uh, to New York to uh Many issues, uh, spirituality, things like that. And they're all live podcasts. You know, most podcasts are recorded. They're, these are all live. It's like the best of podcasting and live radio. So, uh, and I really enjoy it. So I, I, I hope you will um, check us out. I also run a marketing podcast called Wise Content Creates Wealth. I have a big marketing background, especially in SEO and content marketing. That's on Fridays from uh, noon to two. Uh, noon to one, and then this one is always on Tuesday from six to seven. It's been happy. I've been happy to be here. Thank you again, Garrett. And uh, look forward to coming to back. Too. All right, talk <laughs> to you later. I'm talk to you later. Bye. Have a good one.